I read an article in USA Today where the scene is in the Superior Court. Two men were on trial for armed robbery. The eyewitness took the stand. The prosecutor got up, began his questioning. First he asked the eyewitness, so you were at the scene of the robbery? He said, yes. And you saw a vehicle leaving, leave at a high rate of speed. The witness said, yes. And did you observe the occupants, asked the prosecutor. Yes, two men. Then the prosecutor, in a booming prosecutor's voice, said, and are those two men in this courtroom today? At this point, both of the defendants sealed their fate by raising their hand. (laughs) Today we're going to talk about guilt. The point is that all of us have to say in our lives, I did it. There are things that we have struggled with. We're all in the same boat. We have sinned. Please take out the sermon notes that have been prepared for you. Look at James 2, verse 10. Please read it with me together out loud. The person who keeps every law of God but makes one little slip is just as guilty as the person who has broken every law there is. Now, obviously, when it comes to the way that we evaluate guilt, there are different degrees of guilt. Some people commit crimes and they deserve greater punishment. It's justice, we say. But this verse is talking about God's kind of justice. It's recognizing the fact that whether there is one sin or if there are many sins in our lives, we have all sinned. We are all in the same boat. We are sinners. So let's deal with our guilt before God together and recognize that only God has the right answer. We first look at what guilt is. What is this thing that we call guilt? We all know what it feels like. Look at Psalm 38, where the psalmist, he describes what guilt feels like. He writes, My guilt has overwhelmed me like a, a burden too heavy to bear. See, every one of us knows that feeling of guilt. It's an overwhelming burden. So in your notes, the feeling of guilt is where you just hope. You hope nobody finds out. I hope nobody finds out. But is guilt just a fear of punishment? Is that all that guilt is? No. The positive purpose of guilt is not just to make us feel bad. There's a much greater purpose for guilt in our lives. So when you notice the positive purpose of guilt, it's a warning light. Guilt is actually a warning light that goes off and says there's something wrong. Something needs to be fixed. It's like the warning light that goes off in the dashboard of your car. It says something is wrong. Does it help to break the warning light when it goes on? No way. Just saying to us, something needs to be fixed. Ignoring the warning light doesn't help. The engine may fall out of your car. So there are many different ways that people are dealing with guilt. There's warning light that God sends into our lives. And the truth is, if there is something really wrong, the best thing to do is get it fixed. Sometimes... People will try to fix the car themselves. But often it needs to be taken back to the manufacturer. That is what we need to do with our lives. Because that warning light is saying that we need to go back to the manufacturer. We need to spend time with God. We need God to deal with it. Now there are two kinds of guilt that we need to understand. In your notes, it's important that you know, number one, there is genuine guilt. 
This is real guilt, genuine guilt, the real deal. This is when we have done something wrong, wrong things that have hurt ourselves or hurt others or hurt the heart of God. We all have to deal with that real, genuine guilt in our lives. But number two, in your notes, there's also false guilt. False guilt is thinking that we may be having a morning light soon in our dashboard. People will say things like, I just have this overwhelming feeling, or I just feel bad. I should have done more. If only I had not fallen asleep. I could have done a better job. Those are all false guilt. People cannot get rid of their past. So we all have dealt with false guilt in our lives. And false guilt is very popular, especially among churchgoers. It produces a faith that there are more walls than there are doors. Because there's no way out. This closes in upon us. Paul talks about people who are dealing with false guilt. Look at Galatians 3, verse 3. You began your life in Christ by the Spirit. Now you are trying to make it complete by what? Your own power. And that's foolish. See, the believers were returning to good works to bring them closer to God. Trying to do it with their own power. So let me give you a little test this morning. How to tell the difference between genuine guilt and false guilt. How do you know if it is God that's speaking to you? Or if it's another person who's trying to just make you feel guilty. There are three tests that will help us deal with our guilt. Number one in your notes is the first of all the focus on people, which is false guilt. Or is the focus on God, that's genuine guilt. Dr. Turnier says that false guilt is what comes when the judgments and opinions of men come to you. Whereas true guilt is from divine judgment. That's what God thinks about your situation. Many people are constantly seeking the approval of people because other people can really make you feel guilty. Number two in your notes, is the focus vague, which is false guilt, or is the focus very specific? People talk about vague feelings of guilt, and it causes them sleepless nights. That's a favorite tool of Satan. Satan's tool is to bring us discouragement and depression. And God, through his word, tells us what is wrong about more specific ways. You know, people will come to church and pastors specifically talking about some of their problems. Have you had that experience? When God talks to you through his law, it is often very specific. And number three, the third test, is the focus more on rules, which is false guilt, or is the focus on, in your notes, relationships? False guilt talks about the rules and traditions that you have broken. But genuine guilt from God is when you know that you have hurt someone, you have injured a relationship, when you have hurt your wife, your children, your neighbor, when you have hurt the heart heart of God. There's a big difference there. In church, too often, the rules become more important than our relationships. And God is more concerned about our relationships. False guilt about rules, they actually blind us from the working that God wants to do to restore our relationship with him. Now let's look at three ways that we as human beings usually handle our guilt. Well, look at Genesis chapter 13. At that moment, their eyes, meaning Adam and Eve, were open. They suddenly felt shame at their nakedness. They sewed fig leaves together to cover themselves. When the cool evening breezes were blowing, the man and his wife heard Lord God walking about in the garden. 
So they hid from the Lord God among the trees. When the Lord God called to the man, Where are you? He replied, I heard you walking in the garden, so I hid. I was afraid because I was naked. Well, who told you that you were naked? The Lord God asked, Have you eaten from the tree whose fruit I command you not to eat? And the man replied, It's that woman who gave me, who gave me the fruit, and I ate it. On the back of your notes, we know three ways that we human beings respond to guilt in our lives. We human beings, number one, we often respond with shame. Shame. We just feel bad about it. And we try to feel bad enough to make it okay. But that doesn't work that way. Shame doesn't work. Sowing fig leaves doesn't work. Number two, our second response is hiding They hid from the Lord God. Think about trying to hide from God in the first place. Hiding never works. But they tried it. They hid out. But then number three is blame. This is a very popular one, to blame others. Here you have Adam and Eve standing there with their guilt. Adam, well, he takes it like a man. What does he do? He blamed his wife. She gave me the fruit, he says. Eve, she points at the serpent. And she blames the serpent. And of course, the serpent doesn't have a leg to stand on. Isn't it easy to try to blame our way out of wrong things? You know, when you're caught in a lie, you're caught speeding. We all do that. What do we do when our man made ways of dealing with guilt don't work? When all the shame and the blame and the ways that we have dealing with guilt don't work, what do we do? Well, God has a way. God has a way of dealing with our guilt. It's very, very different from the way we do it. One of the most helpful verses for a Christian about guilt is 1 John chapter 1. We often use it in our liturgy. This is how God deals with guilt. He writes, If we claim we have no sin, we are only fooling ourselves and not living in the truth. But if we confess our sins to him, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins to cleanse us from all wickedness. If we claim that we have not sinned, we are calling God a liar and showing that his word has no place in our lives, our hearts. We want to look at three ways then. Quickly, God wants to deal with our guilt. A guilt that makes us sick and tears us apart. Number one in your notes, first of all, confess your sins. You confess your sin. You say to God, I did it. You raise your hand. You confess your sin to God, not just your need or your frustration or you don't give your excuses to God. Look at Psalm 69, verse 5. He writes, God, you know what I have done wrong. I cannot hide my guilt from you. So you confess your sin. And you notice you tell God. Now you tell God your sin. So what is sin? One of the very easy ways to look at sin is to look at the middle letter of the word sin. The center of sin is all about I. It's about all about my way, me first. God, I want to do it my way, not yours. It's selfishness. Sin is putting the I right in the middle of your life and leaving God out of it. So you confess, God, I have left you out of my life. My life is messed up because of that. So you confess your sin by telling God. Why not? 
God already knows there's nothing more difficult than trying to hide something that cannot be hidden. It's so wearisome. Why try hiding it from God? Just tell God. You can experience God's healing touch, his forgiveness. Now, many of you have confessed your sin, but you still don't really feel forgiven. But there are two more important steps. Number two in your notes, to handle your guilt, God says, trust God's character. You must trust God's character. Many people confess their sin, yet really do not know the God who forgives them. Therefore, they don't feel forgiven. So look at the invitation of Hebrews chapter 10. He said, let us come near to God with a sincere heart and a sure faith, because we have been made free from a guilty conscience. People will often not get close to God because of their guilt. But that's really a trap. Because the closer you actually get to God, the more you're going to feel forgiven. When we come close to the God who loves us, the God who gave his son to suffer and die for us, when we come to God, we sense his forgiveness. Jesus makes us free from the guilty conscience. The message of the cross tells us God loves us and God forgives us. He frees us from a guilty conscience. So you must understand this grace of God, God's riches at Christ's expense, are given because Jesus died on the cross for you. In God's love, you are free to become the person that he wants you to be. This never happens through guilt, because God doesn't mold or shape you through guilt. That's the devil's tool, guilt. You become the person that God wants us to be through his love. Number one. Confess your sin. Number two, trust God's character. And then number three, the third way God wants to handle our guilt, accept God's forgiveness. You accept God's forgiveness. Look at John three eighteen. People who believe in God's Son are not judged guilty. When you believe in Jesus and what Jesus did on the cross, you're not judged guilty. Jesus says in your notes, your debt is paid in full. Now, your sin is paid in full. There's no reason to feel guilty when you believe in Jesus. So the next time Satan, from the accounting department, he calls, tell him, your debt is paid in full. Not only does God forgive us our debt, our sin, but in your notes, God uses us in a new way. Because you hear story after story in the Bible that God says not only does God forgive, but God also uses people. See, you read the story about a guy named Abraham in the Old Testament. He started out as a guy worshiping idols. He had trouble with lying, yet God used him. Read the story of a guy named Moses, who at the start of his life, he was a murderer. Today we call him the one who set the children of Israel free to go to the promised land. And you read the story of a guy named John Mark, who was a coward. He left the missionary trip because he was afraid. Yet God used him to write one of the Gospels named Mark. You read a story of a guy named Paul, who was named Saul at the start. He went into churches and persecuted Christians. He stood by while Christians were being murdered. You and I call him an apostle. He was the writer of much of the New Testament. And God wants you to free you from your guilt. Then God wants to use you in a new way. That's the good news of God's love as God deals with our guilt. So let's read together. From your notes, Psalm 32, verse 5. Together. 
I finally admitted all my sin to you and stopped trying to hide them. I said to myself, I will confess them to the Lord, and you forgave me, all my guilt is gone. See, some of you need to hear that first part of that verse again and again. I finally admitted my sin. You need to face up to your sin and stop hiding, stop blaming, and feeling shame. And then some of you also need to hear the last part. God forgave you. All your guilt is gone. God in his love wants to forgive you and me. And God in his love wants to use you and me. Amen. May the peace of God, which passes all human understanding, keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.